Hey y'all, I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Today's episode is sponsored by Farm Tea Company. Farm Tea Company has apparel for all 50 states and is focused on American farmers, ranchers, and the agricultural community as a whole. Farm Tea Company shows pride in where you farm, how you farm, and why you farm. Check them out at www.farmteaco.com or at farmtco on social right. media. Well, I am super excited to be sitting down with Angela today. And um, Angela is actually another 30 under 30 girl. So I'm excited to kind of hear more about that with you and then all the other incredible things that you have going on. So without further ado, if you would mind, or if you would not mind telling us a little bit about yourself um, to kind of get the, the show started today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. It's kind of fun to be in the interviewee seat and totally different. Um, But my name is Angela Scott. I currently live in East Texas and my husband and I raise cattle and sell direct to consumer beef. So that is a venture that we took on together. A little background though, I actually grew up in Northeastern California and I did not grow up in agriculture. I grew up around agriculture, if that makes sense. So I fell in love with agriculture at a young age, going to Brandings with my dad. So I grew up in a small town and y'all know how it is. Like in a small town, everybody goes to the Brandings, right? Especially my dad was the town doctor. So especially the town doctor goes, right? So he took me with him. Um, Then I would like, I thought that if you were going to work with cows, you either had to own them or be a vet. So I went to school for a pre-vet. Yes, all my pre-vet courses um, at Chico State in Northern California. So while I was there, um, I love this story because like God's plans are so much better than mine. So basically I entered college thinking, okay, in four years, I'm going to get out. I'm going to become a vet. I am going to go to UC Davis and I'm going to be a cow vet for the rest of my life. That was my plan, right? So I actually ended up working at an organic dairy, which is the university dairy at Chico state, Mm -hmm. and then became the student manager. And while I was there, I fell in love with the dairy business. So I thought, okay, like maybe minor change of plans. I'll go the dairy route and maybe I'll be a dairy vet, or maybe I'll go into reproduction and all these different things. Totally wrecked my plans. Um, I actually started interning with Zoetis Animal Health. And basically what had happened was I worked at the dairy every summer when I was in college and the summer before my senior year, my boss was like, Hey, look, love you, but you gotta go get other experience. So I applied for every internship under the sun and the Zoetis one was the only one that I actually got, which sounds like a failure, but I, I think it's actually, I mean, it doesn't sound like a failure, but it sounds like I took it as like a last resort. What I think actually happened was it was meant to be that way. Right. So I started working for Zoetis as an intern and I never imagined that I would enjoy sales. So I went into sales for Zoetis, um, loved it. I was on their dairy side. And then the next year that summer, they had me on their beef side and they hired me at the end of that summer, that career moved me up to Oregon. And I became Zoetis's beef rep for the state of Oregon. So I was calling on ranches and um, stalker background or operations and feedlots and veterinarians in Oregon and learned um, a lot about, because if you're familiar with the cattle business at all, or if you're familiar with his products at all, um, you know that 
a stalker backgrounder is the one who's using the most of Zoetis's products. So like vaccines and antibiotics and implants and all those different things, because they're typically buying calves that um, require some sort of vaccination protocol. And then, you know, weaned calves that are purchased in the fall tend to get really sick. So I spent a lot of time with stalker backgrounder clients and they actually became like mentors to me, which was such a blessing. They taught me how to buy cattle out of sale barns, straighten them out, background them for a while, and then resell them. So I started a business doing that kind of on the side um, in partnership with some of my customers, which was super fun. So I was doing that. Meanwhile, my husband was building his own cow-calf herd. So we had not met each other yet. Then we met on a ski trip in Colorado, of all places. And after about a year and a half of long distance, we got married in 2020 and I moved down to Texas where he's from. And we merged our businesses as we like merged our lives, I guess. Right, <laughs> and right. we eventually decided to do this whole like direct to consumer beef thing about a year ago. So it's, I'm still learning a lot about it. Um, and that is the really long story of how I got here. <laughs> Um, but I'm still learning a lot about it. I feel like I, because I went almost a lot of different directions throughout my life, I think that's what equipped me to kind of be able to jump into this role of not only ranching, but finishing cattle and marketing direct to consumers. And uh, I'm really grateful for all of those experiences. It has been a wild ride though. I will say that. And then I'm also a podcaster and a wedding planner and a couple other things, but I know we're here to talk about ag today. So I'll stick to the ag stuff. No, I love that. And I, um, I can relate to that because sometimes I, I, I joke with my mom that sometimes if someone really knew all of the things I did, they would either think I'm lying or that I'm actually insane because like, it's just, it's, it's insane how much stuff I'm actually doing. And I could be sitting at my desk doing one thing, but really in my mind, I've got four other things that I'm checking off the list and a couple of things I need to, on the way home, you know, I need to make a couple phone calls for this thing. So, um, I'm, I'm glad I, that you can relate and we can relate to each other because my, uh, eight to five is one thing, but then there's probably about 12 other things that I've got going on, on the, on the back burner. So Oh, I totally can relate. Understand what you're going through there. Um, but no, I love, I love the fact that you kind of took us through that story and told us a little bit about kind of how you got to where you were, because I think sometimes that's a, a big question of, okay, you, you know, are a feed sales rep or whatever it may be, but like, how the heck did you get there? Um, and so also in agriculture, I think the route is sometimes not straightforward where in some other industries, it may be like, oh, you know, I graduated and then I got hired by an accounting firm and now I'm an accountant. Whereas agriculture, sometimes you got to go through the ringer a little bit to get to, to where you want to be or where you currently are. Um, so I do want to talk about your podcast real quick. So how did that start? And kind of tell us a little bit about that. Oh, I love this question because it's one of the projects that I'm most passionate about, even though it didn't really start out that way. Mm -hmm. So I love talking to people and cultivating relationships. And I've found that the more we talk to each other about the real stuff going on in our lives, the more we realize we're actually not alone in any of it. Like the more I talk to people about insecurities that I'm feeling, or maybe like hints of anxiety or depression, or like, Hey, I'm just really struggling in like relating to my husband or like, girl, when we first moved in together, 
I, so I was moving into his house, right? This man, so I moved here from Oregon, right? Okay. I quit my job, completely relocated. And this man, while we were putting my stuff away in the kitchen, he got frustrated because of where I wanted to put the whisks (laughs) because he felt like a lot was changing. And I was like, oh man, Lord, give me strength. (laughs) Um, Anyway, circling back, when we have people that talk about stuff like that with, it's more like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Or, oh my gosh, there's actually a solution to this. Or I don't actually have to feel this way anymore. And I can talk to people about it. And when we get those thoughts out of our own head and they don't just sit in a spiral in our own mind, they tend to be a lot more manageable. Mm -hmm. So my business partner and I, she, she and I also own the wedding planning business together. We started a platform called the rural housewives on Instagram as it's a play on the real housewives, which she is obsessed with. And she came to me with that idea. And I was like, absolutely. She's like, I want to use it to inspire and encourage rural women. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, can I say that? Yes. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Our, our, so- yes. All about the colorful adjectives. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So that all happened. Well, then we both kind of we realized that we were just having, you know, cause we were friends before any of this happened. And we just have like really good conversations together, usually on a porch with a glass of wine and things just start flowing. And we were like, Hey, what if we had these conversations and recorded them? And what if we had these conversations and invited other people into them? And what if we shared these conversations in the interest of helping other people. And like, if one person listens to it, if one person gets something from it, if one person's life is better because of it, then it's totally worth it. So we started doing that and it just, I mean, it kind of took off first of all. And we've had people on the show that like, I never even imagined that I would meet in real life or even through zoom, you know? And it's like, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Weird fact, it's actually the number 16 podcast in Nigeria. So who to thunk, right? Well, there you um, go. But there is, there's a whole hashtag. If y'all go follow it, it's hashtag women in ag Africa. Okay. And you can learn a lot through that hashtag. There are quite a few different like people and organizations that post through that hashtag. And I think it's fun to follow those things sometimes and just get ourselves out of our own little bubble of, you know, Texas or the United States or North America or wherever we may be and kind of branch out to see how it's done elsewhere, just because it's not, it might not be as different as you think, but it's still good to see the diverse ways that people deal with, deal with agriculture in other countries and other regions. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, that's funny you say that because when I first started Ag Chicks, I was getting a lot of traffic. Like I noticed my analytics, a lot of traffic from Africa. And I was like, that's so random. But then actually a couple women farmers in Africa had reached out to me and they were like, we think this is so cool. There's no one in Africa who like talks about this. So like, this is so cool. So I was like, well, you never know, you know, just social media, man. It's crazy. It can connect you all over. I feel like we should go visit. I know. We definitely. can record two episodes, one for you and one for us. <laughs> I think we need to put it on the calendar for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, what has been kind of, and people always ask me this and I hate it. So I, I'm sorry that I'm asking you this question, but what's been like your favorite episode or guest that you've had on your show? If you have one, cause I don't have one. Wow. 
you know, I love that question, but I don't have an answer for it. No, that's exactly <laughs> it, how I feel. Yeah. It just makes me go through everybody mentally. And it's like, I think actually my favorite thing about the podcast is that if nobody ever listened to it, I have learned so much from the people who have been on it. So it's kind of almost selfishly. I think like my favorite thing about it is how much I get to learn from the people that are on it. But I will say there, there were some that were a total reach. Like I had no expectation of them saying, yeah, sure. I'll come on your show. One of those was Caitlin Butts, Mm -hmm. who is a musician and songwriter. Um, and another one, Stephanie Mae Wilson, who is in women, women's ministries. And I mean, there have been quite a few, um, we've also had, I have to give a shout out to, we have had a grand total of like three men on in 48 episodes. So have to give a shout out to those guys like Jason Meadows and the guys from Copper Chief. Um, But I don't know. I think, I still think that like, it's just the golden piece of it for me is how much I have grown and improved from it. And I actually, you might feel this way a little bit too. I kind of feel like I almost use it as a form of therapy in that I get to like interact with other people and talk about things. And we tend to talk about pretty deep stuff. Most often we try to keep it light every so often, but like we're, we don't shy away from things like anxiety, depression, sexual assault, like any of that stuff, because those are real parts of life. Right. That's what we have to talk about. Right. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I think um, and I posed that question because I was wondering if you had one, because I can never pick one, because like you said, as soon, as soon as somebody asked me that, I think through everyone who I've had on the show and every single episode has had something that I've gathered, um, whether that be, I learned something new about them, or I learned something new about a process in agriculture or just how they've dealt with something in their life. So, um, I agree. I think the podcast world is very unique in the fact that it's, um, a conversation between two people or maybe three or four, however many are on the show, but yet it's also a conversation between the listeners. And that's something that I kind of tend to forget because it's just you and I sitting down, but then later someone will reach out and be like, oh my gosh, your conversation with Angela was so good. And I got this, this, and this. And I'm like, all right, I guess, I guess we're doing something right here. Right. Just to continue to do it. That's so good. That's so good. Yes, absolutely. Um, But also, okay. So you started the podcast with your business partner, with the wedding planning. And I know that was something that you and I talked about at the gala was your wedding planning. Cause you were planning a wedding just right up the road from us. Um, but tell me and tell us, I guess a little bit more about that Avenue as well for you. There's going to be like a really common theme that the listeners are going to hear and basically that I had one plan and life took 800 different turns. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So, um, what, when I moved here, when I moved to East Texas, which I I'm in East Texas, but, um, I'm actually only an hour away from Dallas. So an hour East Dallas. And so almost everything hour away. So the fact that Dallas is an hour away means it's not that far. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like people in rural areas get that, like everything's an hour away. So an hour isn't far. So so when I moved here, um, I didn't, I was applying for a bunch of different jobs. It was the middle of 2020. And what kept happening is I would get through the interview process with several different jobs. And 
it would just always fall flat for one reason or another. A lot of times it was COVID or it was just like, I got, I made it to the final interview, but there was somebody with ladies in their twenties are going to relate to this hardcore, but there was always somebody with like 18 years of experience or somebody who, you know, had a gray mustache, which means a lot in some businesses. So, um, so I, it just like never, no jobs actually happened for me. So my business partner was having the same struggle and we had talked about, we had just finished my wedding and we had, and she was basically my planner. And then we had done her wedding two years prior. And in between we'd done a bunch of our friends weddings and it was mostly, it was kind of like so she had a full planner for her wedding. So start to finish planning. It was not great. She'll tell you straight up. It was not a good experience. It was not what she envisioned having a wedding planner would be like. I had a coordinator. She was fine. She did a good job. Um, she did her job, I guess I should say. But then when we both couldn't find jobs, we were like, well, you know, there's people out there in the wedding business who are doing this in a like C plus kind of a way. And if we could do this in an A plus kind of a way, we could probably make a business out of it. So we launched, we started advertising December 1st and we officially got our LLC December 31st of 2020. And we did our first wedding December 31st, 2020. So in 2021, we did 42 weddings. And then this year we have 32. Um, we just decided 42 was not going to happen again. We it, it was doable, but we like to give 110%. And you can't always do that when you have five weddings, five days in a row for a week in October. You know what I mean? Right. So um, the, it, yeah, it's, it's a little wild, but that kind of also stemmed, I should back up a little bit. That also kind of stemmed from the fact that Dallas is one of the top three wedding capitals in the country. Right. So New York, Dallas, and LA are the biggest wedding capitals in the country. And so the demand is here. And it wasn't necessarily something I ever saw myself doing, but it was a skill set that I had. And it was a market that had a demand in it. So long story short from the, the only thing I've learned from that experience or from retelling that story is like, maybe try something that you never saw yourself doing. If you see a need for it and you have the skill set to meet it because weird doors can open for you. We did a, we did a wedding a couple weeks ago, um, for a gal who was on the real housewives of orange County. Wow. And yeah, so, I mean, there are wild doors that can open, which as you can imagine, Mary, my business partner, who's obsessed with the real housewives was tickled about that one, but yeah, it's kind of crazy what, what doors can open. And I would have never seen myself becoming a wedding planner. And yet here we are. Yeah. You never know, right? You never know what road you're going to go down or what door may open because you went down that road. So, um, no, that's, that's, I'm glad you say that. Cause I can relate to it obviously, but then also, um, actually I'm in an entrepreneur class right now. And we were literally having this conversation this morning and, um, some of my group members are college students uh, or freshly new master students, I should say. And I'm three years removed well, four, I guess at this point. And so they were trying to come up with all these crazy ideas for our business. And I was like, y'all are overthinking this. Like it can be as simple as, I mean, 
the example we had was like um the what is it called the java the coffee sleep like it does not have to be groundbreaking like we are way yeah. thinking this one here and they were like oh yeah yeah yeah, good point but anyways all that to say you never know what can happen in whatever um road you may go down another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Totally. Quick sidebar, yeah. total sidebar. I'm sorry, but wow. have you seen the movie Maid of Honor with Patrick Dempsey? Yes, love it. Where he like he invent quote unquote invented the coffee color. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. Okay, yes. back to no, it. Sorry. Oh my God. Yeah, no, that's funny. I should have brought that one up in class. Dang it, I could have got some participation points. <laughs> <laughs> that class sounds really cool, by the way. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. I'm really glad I'm taking it, especially as like a summer class so I can like dedicate some, some time to it instead of um, the craziness that happens during the semester. Um, totally. But yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what, what idea we, we end up on. Um, but speaking of business ventures and that kind of stuff, let's talk about y'all's um, direct-to-consumer beef business. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, I'm like, wow, where to start? I know, right? Um, yeah, it's been kind of a wild ride, a huge learning curve. There have been so many different times where I'm like, huh, that's why they taught us that in school um, that I haven't used until now. But it's kind of wild because it's a combination of like, I run, I do the books. I am the marketing department. I'm the accounting department. I'm the marketing department. I am the day work. I am the feed crew. I am like all of it. And so it's kind of wild to have all of those different roles. And then recently, Ali, I've been like, I have been really feeling pulled to help other people do the same thing though. So let me like, let me start with how we do it is we do this because there's again, a demand for it because we're an hour away from Dallas. Mm -hmm. My husband also works for the Arlington fire department. So Arlington is where the Cowboys stadium is and the Rangers stadium is it's between Fort Worth and Dallas. And, um, basically like, <laughs> I would say like 90% of our beef goes to families that work for the Arlington fire department. Okay. And there's just, a, there's a ton of demand because of where we live in proximity to a more urban area. And also because of the grocery shortages and perceived grocery shortages over the last two years and the projected grocery shortages for the next year. Right. So yeah, I was going to not to interrupt you, but I was actually going to ask you about that. And then also because you guys are close to an urbanized area and there's like this whole push of like, you know, local, um, buying local and knowing where your meat comes from and all that kind of stuff. Do you think that has helped y'all? Double-edged sword because it has, but I will tell anybody who will listen that grocery store beef is still good for you. Exactly. And that I will tell, I will preach that. I will scream that till I'm out of breath because there are people who hear what I do and they go, oh, I'm so glad you do that. Your beef is probably so much better than that crap in the grocery store. 
And I will immediately shut that down and say, actually, nutritionally, it's about the same. What we're doing is just providing a product for people who want something specific and we're able to custom feed. And then I'll go into some of the more, like more detailed aspects of our business. Um, I think that has helped us, but I also like to direct that conversation back to the fact that we, if we are able to picky enough to look for words like local, organic, natural, et cetera, we are the products of food privilege. Exactly. There are people in the world who do not, will not ever care if it says organic or local or natural or fair trade, if they're able to put food on their table. So all we do is we provide a product where there is demand for like, I love y'all. If you're listening, I love my customers. If you're listening, but admittedly, like we're, we're serving people who are privileged enough to make that decision. And we, at every turn, will tell people that beef is good for you. It doesn't matter if you buy it from us. It doesn't matter if you buy it from Kroger. It doesn't matter if you get it from McDonald's. Like, beef is good for you. <laughs> Girl, you got me on a soapbox. <laughs> Woo! Okay, I'm getting really People hot. People need to know that. And I think sometimes <laughs> we avoid that because it's a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation. And here I prepped you by saying, we won't do anything too crazy. Um, but no, I think it's it's facts, right? I mean, it's it's the reality of it. Totally, totally. Um, sidebar to that, we do also sell grass and grain finished beef. Okay. We put an emphasis on the grain finish though, because for what we know about finishing cattle, we can guarantee a better eating experience through a little bit of grazing. But we also explain to people that even our grain finished cattle, like I can see them out my office window. They are on grass at all times through the drive. They always have free access to hay. And then we feed a balanced mixture of corn and barley and oats and free choice mineral. And then other fun fact, we actually, which my hippie heart loves this because I am a little bit of a hippie on the inside. I mean, I grew up on the West coast. It's just in the water I drank growing up. Right. But my business partner, Mary, and her husband, their project together is they actually own a nano brewery. And so we also feed the sprint, the spent grain from their brewery. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So uh, brewer's grain is very commonly used in feed yards and everything like that. It's really high in protein because when beer is brewed, the yeast actually eats the sugar mm-hmm. and leaves the protein behind. So it's pretty high in protein. So we're able to balance our ration around that. And um, yeah, because of, again, like we've just been really blessed and because of where we live, we do have a higher demand than we can keep up with. Um, But part of the reason we do what we do is we don't have a big enough herd to market like truckloads at a time. Like we could probably put maybe two truckloads together, but it, but as far as like, how we were marketing our calves, we were marketing them through sale barns. And even though there are some kind of um, like elite sales in Northeast Texas, mm-hmm. where we could market our calves that way, it still wasn't quite the profit margin we needed to grow our business because my husband's family has cows. Um, but like I mentioned, I grew up not in agriculture at all. So I started my own business and then he also started his own business. He has um, five siblings. So anybody who's familiar with like 
succession planning and <laughs> those kinds of things knows that um, one business divided by six is one sixth of right. a business, right? <laughs> so, um, so he started his own cow herd. And so we're, we're, we're definitely in the building phase of our business rather than like a maintenance phase. Uh -huh. So we're trying to maximize our profit per head so that we can reinvest into the growth of our business. And I will say anybody who wants to have a conversation about how to start doing quote unquote backyard beef for direct to consumer beef, I would love to chat your ear off about it because we can do some good things for your farmer ranch. If you want it, I mean, you could sell even just five head a year and you'd be amazed. So good to it's, know. yeah, it, you can take, I mean, I'm not even kidding. You can take your profit per head and quadruple it. Wow. Well, that's and wild. that's, that's, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out, first of all, how do I do this as far as permits and regulations and all that kind of stuff? How do you market it? Like, there's just a lot of layers to it um, instead of, you know, putting it on a truck and sending it. Um, but with all the prices and all that stuff kind of being crazy right now, I think we're, we may see a bigger shift towards some more business models like this. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. And I would love to see that actually too, because we, when I spent, when I was working for Zoetis, I spent a lot of time, like I said, with the stalker backgrounder, but I also spent a lot of time with the cow calf producer. And those, I mean, it was so much fun. Those people would like, let me stay in their bunkhouse, invite me to their brandings. Like what a cool group of people, right? Most commonly though, what they were doing was like you said, sending those calves on a truck and then just starting the cycle over again. Because by the time you wean your calves and ship them, maybe you're coming into winter and then you're feeding cows and then you're preparing for calving season. And there's not a lot of connection between like after those calves get on the truck and leave where they go or what they do. And I would sit in those video sales. Cause you know, in the Northwest, like Western video market is huge and superior is huge. And so I would sit in those video sales with my customers and they're sitting there waiting to see the price that somebody deems necessary for their cattle instead of being the person who says this is how much these are going to cost come get them if you want them and I know that is like a multifaceted beast and I'm not even going to go into like the the packers and all of that kind of stuff right. but imagine if even just on like five percent of your herd just 5% of your herd, if you could be the price maker instead of the price taker mm -hmm. in a time where input costs are absolutely astronomical. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, super interesting. And if anybody's listening, she put it out there for you. Her contact information, I always put everybody's stuff in the, in the description box. So reach out to her if you're thinking, hey, Please I'd do. like to know more. Give um, me a reason to talk more about this. I love it. <laughs> Well, um, I, I want to be conscious of your time today too. So my kind of final question is we obviously met at the gala in Fort Worth um, because we were on this year's cowgirl 30 under 30 list, but what kind of made you want to apply and like what kind of attracted you to that program? In short, um, I applied because I was I applied because of imposter syndrome, because I 
thought there's absolutely, I saw the ad for it. It was like an Instagram ad, targeted ad or something like that. I saw the ad for it and thought there's no way anybody would ever pick me for that award. And just because of my personality, that thought made me think, okay, now I have to apply because if I, (laughs) if I tell myself that, like, if I tell myself that I'm unworthy of an award before I ever even apply for it, like I am shutting a door before even knocking on it. Like nobody, nobody told me that I was undeserving of that award. In fact, quite the opposite, but I told myself that. And in an effort to overcome some of the like really nasty thoughts, I think about myself, I applied and I thought, okay, like worst case scenario, I just don't get it. And then like, that's what I already thought was going to happen anyway. But best case scenario, this is some of the ammunition I can use against my self-critic when she tells me her name's Ursula. That's what my (laughs) husband and I call her. Oh my God. But my internal critic, when she's like, you're not really accomplishing anything. You're not actually successful. It's like, listen, ma'am, actually there are people who will tell you otherwise, but that was the personal reason I did it. Then secondary um, by maybe a hair is that I really wanted to meet the other people who like why I wanted to win was because I is it win? I guess it's win or like be selected. Yeah, I don't um, really know. I keep saying I keep using the word like honoree because I don't really know honoree. what was a comfortable, comfortable title there. <laughs> yeah. Like I wanted to be awarded that title because I knew what connections it was going to provide because that's automatically 29 new friends that like every, everybody listening, I'm sure has gathered so far. Like that's what I love to do. I love to meet people. I love to talk to people. I love to network with people. I love to learn from people. And I think that when we share our skills and our life experiences and our successes, there's plenty to go around. And it only like, you know, that saying we rise by lifting others, the more others we meet, the more we all rise together. So that was like one of the things, as soon as I got the email of like, congratulations, I was like, sweet, 29 new friends. And, (laughs) and it is turning out to be just that, like, it's kind of amazing. And the other women who were ordered this, like, like I got to meet you, we wouldn't be having this conversation if that had never happened. And some of the other women that I've gotten to meet and like really talk to about like, I mean, deep stuff, you know, we talk about businesses and we talk about relationships and we talk about faith and it's just like, I'm going to cry. It's another one of those things where it's like, I didn't know how much I needed this. Like I was just doing it to kind of like prove something to myself. I don't know if that sounds bad. Maybe that sounds bad, but it's the truth. Yeah. It's the, I mean, and it's the truth. So that's how it started. And then as the ball started rolling and I started seeing like the true opportunity that was there, it's just like, it's been honorary is a good word because it's been an honor. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, it's been so fun to, obviously we, the whole weekend was kind of like a blur as far as all the stuff they've had for us and just the whole event. Um, it was beautifully done. Um, but then we didn't really get a chance to like meet everybody. So this has been fun for me to like have people on really get to know everybody a little bit more, um, and then kind of follow through on those connections. Um, so yeah, I think I'm excited to see how the like program as a whole kind of continues to build and have them add new people to the list. But so far, man, it's been such an honor and, um, to be a part of it thus far and, 
to be able to say like, oh yeah, I know that girl because we're on the list together and you know, she's awesome and that kind of thing. So that's been a really cool experience. Yes. I love that. And like, and being like, oh yeah, I know her. She's awesome. And like, just saying that about another woman in a society where like, I think we're trying, I think we're trying to get better about women supporting and encouraging and uplifting other women, but sometimes you don't hear that as often as you would like. And to just hear people talk about another woman, like when I hear the cowgirl 30 under 30 women talk about each other, they're like, oh, I know her. She's awesome. You'll love her. Oh my gosh. She's fantastic. You have to ask her about, you know, like pasture poultry because she is the expert, you know, just stuff like that. It's, it's so cool. I will say two, two quick things. One, um, I would love to also like sit down with everybody. I need to have them all on the podcast. It's just, you know, that's no, it's 29 episodes. It's a lot. <laughs> I know when I, got, when I got the letter, I was like 29 episodes ready to go. <laughs> yes. I love that. Um, and then I will, the other thing is at the gala, I could not help, but as an event planner, look around and be like, huh, I want like who put this together. First yeah. of all, they did an, an like just incredible job, honestly. And they, they just, they made us feel like royalty, oh, which well, I was that. not expecting. And yeah. I just kept thinking the whole time we were there, like you said, it was a wild weekend, just a total whirlwind. And I just kept thinking while we were there, like, how stinking cool is it that there are so many people putting this much emphasis on like just the 30 of us, like, like this is really stinking cool. The event itself, but then the sponsors and the rodeo and like the whole thing, it was like, yeah, (laughs) how, how did I make the cut? (laughs) I know. I know. And then, uh, my favorite thing that I actually, I actually had no idea until we got there was that we get invited back every year. I didn't even realize that until, yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get to go back to the gala every year and we get to go back to like the brunches and the like meet and greets and everything like that every year and then meet 30 new friends every year, which is so stinking cool to me. And I really liked, you know, when they said under 30, it wasn't just like everybody was 28 and 29. Like we had young, young women in there. Like, I mean, (laughs) They're like six years younger than me, but like 20, there were like 20 year olds in there, you know, which was really cool too, because, um, as I'm getting closer to 30, I am realizing that I used to be very on trend and very aware of what was going on in pop culture. And like, I'm not even 30 yet. And I can already feel that fading. So I'm like, I need younger friends to like, keep me in the loop of what's going on. Like, I guess Bruno Mars isn't cool anymore. I still love him, but I heard that recently, like that the the kids these days don't listen to Bruno Mars. That's a bummer. They're missing yeah. out. I know. I agree. <laughs> this is totally random, but yeah. No, it's good. Um, but Angela, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me and um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I've like we mentioned, I've learned something new today. So I can't wait to um, have the listeners also hear your story and hear more about you and kind of take from take some things from that as well. Um, so thank you. And I can't wait to see how everything for you kind of continues to, to take off as well. Um, but if someone is wanting to get in touch, what is the best way for them to do that? Great question. So actually the best way to get in touch um, is probably 
through Instagram at the Rural Housewives. I will say for the month of June, I'm not on the social medias. It's for my own mental health. I just need a break. But um, at the Rural Housewives on Instagram, um, our beef business is at Scott Family Beef on Instagram. And then I am at Angela F. Scott on Instagram. So usually Instagram DM is the best way, um, but also email. So Angela CF Scott at gmail.com is a really good one. Um, and then you can also go to the Rural Housewives website if you want to find links to anything I talked about on that side of the business. And there's there's a lot going on. So any way you want to reach out to me, I am excited to probably one of the first things I'll do if you actually do send me a message is give you my cell phone number because that is the only way to actually get a hold of me. Um, but try reaching out on one of those platforms first if you like what you see. And I would love to connect with anybody listening who like related to anything I said or also um, would like to learn more about how to market beef direct to consumer. That's a good, it's fun to talk about. It's hard to do, but it is doable. Awesome. Well, as always, all of that info will be in the description box and in the show notes. Um, and yeah, thanks so much, Angela, for joining me. And like I said, I can't wait to see it all continue to grow for you. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks on Instagram and Facebook. And that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the Ag Chicks channel.